One of the big areas to also think about Gen Z, you need to connect with them early. If you talk to employers, they'll say, we don't want to reach out unless we have an immediate job opening. They talk about the fears of offending them or putting them off if they don't have something right now, or quite frankly, wasting time for their recruiters. And we saw this in our Gen Z survey. 81% of them said they want to establish a connection with an employer, even if they don't have an immediate job opportunity. And I think that is an important message to get to employers. So the good news to them is Gen Z is saying, you're not going to offend them by reaching out. They expect you to reach out and connect with them. Building that rapport with them is going to pay off greatly down the road versus waiting for just when they're ready to come right into the workforce. I'm your host, Michelle King, and you're listening to The Fix, a podcast that shares the stories of remarkable people who are innovating and taking action to advance equality in the workplace and beyond. One in 10 eligible voters in the 2020 electorate will be part of a new generation of Americans, Generation Z. Born after 1996, most members of this generation are not yet old enough to vote. But as the eldest among them turned 23 this year, roughly 24 million will have an opportunity to cast a ballot in November. And their political clout will continue to grow steadily in coming years as more and more of them reach voting age. Members of Gen Z are more racially and ethnically diverse than any previous generation, and they're on track to be the most well-educated generation yet. They're also digital natives who've had little or no memory of the world as it existed before smartphones. The eldest among Gen Z were two years old when Columbine happened. School was never a safe haven. It became a place of metal detectors and lockdowns. Many started kindergarten just days before 9-11. Terrorism and war haven't been just threats, as they were for children throughout the Cold War. They're real, and the fear is embedded in their psyche. Most of Gen Z hadn't even made it out of grade school before they experienced the Great Recession and the highest unemployment since the Great Depression. Gen Z saw their families or their friends lose their jobs, homes, and livelihoods, and now they're experiencing this again. Unlike the millennials who came of age during the Great Recession, this new generation was in line to inherit a strong economy with record low unemployment. But that has all changed with COVID-19, as there are already signs that the oldest Gen Zers have been particularly hard hit. In March 2020, a Pew Research Center survey found that half of the oldest Gen Zers aged 18 to 23 reported that they or someone in their household had lost a job or taken a pay cut because of the outbreak. Aside from the unique set of circumstances in which Gen Z is approaching adulthood, what else do we know about this generation? To understand generational differences and why they matter, Casey Welsh, CEO of Tallo, a platform that helps Gen Z find scholarship, university, and job opportunities, will be joining us on this episode to explain the challenges and opportunities facing Generation Z.
Millennials have firmly moved into their 20s and 30s, making way for Generation Z, who are entering the workforce as the most diverse and educated generation yet, with a liberal set of attitudes and an openness to emerging social trends. On a range of issues, from Donald Trump's presidency to the role of government to racial inequality and even climate change, the views of Gen Z mirror those of millennials. It's too early to say with certainty how the views of the new generation will evolve. Most have yet to reach voting age, and their outlook could be altered considerably by the changing national conditions, world events, and technological innovations. But based on some initial research by Tallo in August 2020, which includes a survey of more than 10,000 Gen Zers, Casey shares why Gen Z is likely to differ from millennials when it comes to working life. If you look generationally, um, so often I feel like when people say Gen Zs, they say millennials. And they're very different, right? I was a millennial generation. I was follow your dreams, um, you know, see how that works out and bounce around. You know, we would never compare millennials to baby boomers. So I'm not sure why so often, just because we look and say, hey, Gen Zs are the same as millennials. This group has witnessed what happened before that. And I, I think I'm actually extremely encouraged with this generation coming up because there's a couple characteristics about them that I think should be really exciting to employers. And I think is really exciting, really, as one of the bigger drivers coming into the workforce. A couple of those characteristics, one of them is loyalty. And so loyalty and security. I think security came in a little bit more, especially if you think about the generation and the pandemic that just hit. But very different, you know, millennials, if you think about them, they focused a whole lot on bouncing around from job to job to job. Security wasn't as important. They were okay with it. This generation is coming up, Generation Z, and they want to be more committed to a company. So in some of the other data points that we looked at, right, on average, millennials stay in a job two to two and a half years. And what we saw with Gen Zers is they were, a majority of them were more willing to stay with an employer three, three and a half, four plus years. And so when you break that down a little bit and you think about it for a moment, if they're willing to make that commitment to stay with a company that long, they want to know more about that. They want to understand this is a workplace where they can come into, they can feel comfortable, they can roll hop within it, which means, you know, right, moving around to different opportunities. And if you want to stay with somewhere longer, you start to care more about what's around you because you want to be happy. They want to have impact. Again, they want to go into these different areas. And so if they're stepping into this, a workforce that's not diverse and not representing how some of their core values that they're seeing, that they want to be part of, that they want to be part of this change, right? That doesn't look very attractive to them. And so I think those are a couple of the areas when you break it down generationally and look at those core values that we need to look at and they can't be ignored anymore. Younger generations are also more accepting of some of the ways in which American society is changing. The majority of Gen Z and the millennial generation say that increasing racial and ethnic diversity in the United States is a good thing for society, while older generations are less convinced of this. They're also more likely to have a positive view of interracial and same-sex marriage compared to their older counterparts. Gen Z is the most racially and ethnically diverse generation we've seen, 
which has implications for employers. For example, when it comes to diversity in the workplace, Gen Z is particularly concerned about how their employers will be taking this into consideration. For Gen Z, it starts at the beginning of their work experience, the interview. Recent data from Tallow found that 65% of Gen Z agree that recruiters and potential employers should ask people about their preferred gender pronouns during an interview. And over half of Gen Z have decided not to apply for a job due to the fear of being treated unfairly because of their gender, ethnic or racial identity. Here Casey shares why diversity and inclusion is a business imperative when it comes to managing Gen Z. I think we found really interesting research with our Gen Zers in a couple different areas. Um, one of the big areas that jumped out to us was around diversity and inclusion. So we wanted to really understand how important was diversity and inclusion to the Gen Z audience and what are they looking for in terms of it? And what we found is that diversity and inclusion is actually at the forefront of their work preferences across a variety of areas. One of the biggest areas was around applying for jobs and some of the data points that we saw that you know, basically one in three Gen Zers decided not to apply for a job due to the fear that they were going to be treated unfairly because of their gender, ethnic, racial identity. And in digging into that a little bit further, we found that their fears are based on their experiences. More than half of them shared that either they witnessed personally or they witnessed to somebody else discrimination in the workplace. So, you know, when things happen to people and they can actually witness it, whether it happened to them personally or somebody else, that really makes sense why it's coming to the forefront. As you continue to build onto that and in additional information that they shared, the recruitment process was another major area where we saw that 65% of the Gen Zers agreed that recruiters and potential employers should ask people about their preferred gender pronouns during the interview. And if they do, 25% of them noted that they would decline a job offer if the recruiter failed to use their preferred pronouns after they shared them. And so I think there was a couple tidbits that jumped out to us there. One of them is, is how important and how aware they are of sharing this. Two is how quickly you can push away a quarter of those uh, you know, potential workforce by not being aware. And I think when we go into the workforce and we see it with our employers, are we asking these questions? And I think at first, right, it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable. And I think that's a good thing because that means change is happening going forward. I think the third piece that jumped out to us, and I think this is really important for employers, that 70% of them, nearly 70% of them noted that they'd be more likely to apply for a job that had recruiters and materials that reflected an ethnically and racially diverse workplace. So again, they are substantiating all these different parts of how important diversity and inclusion is to them. And so I think there's a lot of great takeaways there from employers to make sure that they can communicate it if they have a diverse workplace. If they don't have a diverse workplace, sharing their goals and plans in order to get there. On the DNI, I think the big message, right? It's, it's not a nice to have anymore. It's, it's a must have, and, and it truly is. And if you think about that, I think the good part for employers is you don't have to make all those radical changes immediately, right? There are small things that can be done as you progress and we continue to iterate to becoming a more diverse workforce. And why I, I look at employers and say, this is going to pay off. 
So often we think about hiring and we think about placement, getting them in the door. But really, right, the real cost with employers is if you could change your average person from coming into your employee and being there two years to being there for four years or more, right, that is an astronomical savings, right? And you're building it so that you don't have all the, you know, the recruitment costs in these different areas. And in order to do that, people want to be in a, in a happy environment. So again, as you think about it, if you're not being the diverse, my message to these companies are, some of them aren't. So if you're not, make sure that you are sharing your goals and plans to getting to. Because if you're not doing that, you know, unfortunately, you are going to be in an extremely difficult position with this generation. Good news, they want to stay longer. Bad news, if you don't address this, you're never going to get them in the first place. And those companies that are doing and doing those, you know, even those things like changing their materials, changing their environment, putting these support programs, you know, it's going to pay off tenfold in the future. Given all the economic uncertainty Gen Z has experienced and is also likely to continue experiencing because of COVID-19, when it comes to employment, the gig economy is less appealing, as Casey explains. The Gen Z was sharing how, you know, they weren't interested in the gig economy. And at first that sounded surprising. I was like, well, that's interesting. Why would they not be? We're talking about a group of very entrepreneurial, very inquisitive people. But if you think about it and go back to a couple of the, the characteristics I mentioned earlier is security and loyalty and them not wanting to do short-term things, but actually get with a company that they can build a career with, that they can move in and they can continue to roll hop, right? Not job hop, because security is very important to them. They witnessed the generation before them not have that security and they want to have that because they have witnessed it. They have seen it, whether it was older siblings or parents or different ones like that. So when it comes to the gig economy and we think about this generation that wants to stay longer and they want to stay with an employer, it makes sense why they're not as interested in that. And that is, again, one of those other characteristics where we can't assume millennials are like Gen Z. We have the unique opportunity to work with small companies and, you know, Fortune 10 companies around the world. And one of the big areas to also think about Gen Z is since they want to commit and they want to stay and they want to be able to build it, you need to connect with them early. Okay. And that's really one of my biggest messages. So often, if you talk to employers, they'll say, we don't want to reach out to, uh, you know, Gen Zers or talent unless we have an immediate job opening or a position. And when asked why, a lot of times they say, they talk about the fears of offending them or putting them off if they don't have something right now, or quite frankly, wasting time for their recruiters. And so one of the big areas, and, and we saw this in our Gen Z survey, 81% of them said that they want to establish a connection with an employer, even if they don't have an immediate job opportunity. You know, So eight out of 10 are saying that. And I think that is an important message to get through employers. So the good news to them is Gen Z is saying, you're not going to offend them by reaching out. Quite oppositely, they expect you to reach out and connect with them. And that makes a lot of sense, right? Because they want to commit to that right fit. So connecting with that talent early, building that rapport with them is going to pay off greatly down the road versus waiting for just when they're ready to come right into the workforce. 
Unemployment in August 2020 was more than twice as high as it was in December 2019. For Gen Zers, employer loyalty, networks and managing a professional brand is of key importance to surviving the current and future recessions. Here, Casey shares what else employers need to know when it comes to managing this generation. This is the first group that are digital natives. They're extremely technology savvy in that world. So when you think about especially how our world has changed, how you know education is not the same, how workforce will probably never be the same, bringing in this talent that has these technical capabilities, I think is going to be huge to the future workforce. Again, you're also talking with a group that they want to have impact, right? They want to come in and they want to have impact and they want to have a meaningful opportunity. So when you think about employers, a lot of times employers rely so much on their brand names to sell their products, right? Which is great. But they also need to rely on their opportunities that they have within their company because this generation is extremely aware of it, right? We all know how they use social media. We all know how they interact. They're out there and they are watching and they are understanding every move and they're evaluating that as they're willing to say, is that the company that I want to commit the next four years of my life, if not longer to? And so they are very aware. They are very conscious. And in fact, they've been compared the most to the baby boomer generation of all the generations, which you know I think is extremely encouraging because as leaders and companies, when you think about the baby boomer generation that has all this experience that you know some of them are holding on to, right? And you combine this with this generation that is extremely tech savvy and you put those two together, I think it's really encouraging. And that's why the last thing I think we need to do is to be aware and we really need to listen because this is one of the the larger generations coming into the workforce and combined with, I think the previous one, it can make a huge difference. Half of the eldest Gen Zers aged 18 to 23 reported that they or someone in their household had lost a job or taken a pay cut because of the COVID-19 outbreak. Young workers were particularly vulnerable to job loss before the coronavirus outbreak, as they were overrepresented in high-risk service sector industries. Here, Casey shares some advice for Gen Zers who are facing an increasingly uncertain job market. Number one, you're not alone. Number two, it's okay to change. And number three, for once, Gen Z, and even everybody across the country, has more time than they've ever had before. Because a lot of the things that consumed our time, whatever that might have been, are on hold right now. So this is a great chance to reflect and evaluate your decisions going forward. If you think you know your path, this is a great chance to A, take a step back. B, document everything that you've done, all your skills and abilities. And I don't just mean test scores, degrees, internships. I mean attributes, your skills. Make sure you showcase those. Look at your path and where you want to end up. And that's what we see a lot. And a lot of them are realizing there are alternative ways to get to the same career they wanted to get to beforehand. So maybe it's taking your time, looking at Employers that offer tuition assistance, different opportunities like that to help with financial concerns. Make sure that this is the path. Maybe your path can be to a certificate or a credential 
to then get into that opportunity while you figure out what you want to do. So I am really optimistic. I think for this generation, they should also be optimistic because there are going to be more opportunities unfold for them that to come into the workforce to play a major role with the experience that they have and move on. So to take this time, this sh short or however long window we have, evaluate your career path, see if there's alternative ways and see what you think is the right fit for you. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. You know, I think it's really important that we take time out to understand our differences, especially generational ones. While we are all individuals, it's important to understand how different contexts are shaping our different experiences and needs. Hopefully you found this episode helpful as a starting point for understanding what matters to Generation Z. Before you go, just a quick reminder that you can get a copy of my book, The Fix, or the electronic or audible version from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Audible, or at all major retailers. In reading The Fix, you'll learn what barriers Gen Z are likely to encounter because of gender inequality. Most importantly, you'll discover what you can do to remove these obstacles and how we can begin to make our workplaces work for everyone. So get your copy today and let me know what you think by leaving a review on Amazon. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll catch you all again next week.